up, y'all? Hey, folks. Welcome to this most unbelievable podcast. We are your hosts, Paul Fitzgerald. And Sherry Spiegel. You're listening to season two, our first summer season. For the next few months, we'll take a look at a thread we began last season in our Rates of Things episode. We'll take several episodes to explore how we process and experience things. First in the body. Then in the mind. And finally, and most challengingly, in the heart. We would love your feedback, so please feel welcome to leave us a comment or a question on the Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thepaulandsherrypod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also find all of this on our website, thismostunbelievablelife.com. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. And if you like the show, we'd appreciate your rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out, too. We're so glad you're joining us on this journey. And on with the show. And we're off. Hey, Sherry, what's going on? Not much. How are you? Pretty good. I'm pretty good. Are you pretty good? Pretty good. Well, yeah, I think I, well, I don't know. It's strange days these days. Um, no surprise if you, if you know me, I've not really feeling like I've been sleeping that well lately. The, the hours asleep are shorter than I think I should be sleeping. And for that, shoulding narrative listen to last week's podcast right when we talk about the shoulds this might be two weeks ago from from when this actually goes out right i don't know i always grew up listening to the to the uh to the line of eight hours get your eight hours of sleep and eat three times a day and you know if you don't eat your meat you can't have your (laughs) Put it, you know, um, and uh, all those sociological rules that I was raised on growing up on what is the right way to live on this earth. Uh, all these rules have subsequently subsequently caused the downfall of Western civilization, by the yeah. way. I don't know. I feel like um, I should be sleeping more. I would like to be sleeping more. But today, last day or two, I actually am kind of sluggish. And I know that I'm not I'm not sleeping very deeply. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the hours in, but it's not the depth. Yeah. It's... So I don't know what's going on. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm good otherwise. It's weird days for anyone to be around, I think, but uh, not sleeping doesn't help. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting, like, how we treat ourselves when we're feeling sluggish. Like, so when you're sluggish, like, is that a sign that you have been behaving poorly and you are reaping the benefits of bad behavior? Like, oh, I haven't been sleeping enough. I've been eating junk. Or... Is it just sometimes the baby, the body is like, I'd like to just chill out for a few days. Stop making me do things. Like, yeah, and that, yeah. Is, is the problem the, the fact that we resist being sluggish, or is the problem the sluggishness? Yeah, it, it feels like that doesn't even have to be physical things, because you would think, you know, physical things, doing a lot of physical stuff would be the things that wear me out that would make me want to sleep. But there are a significant number of, mentally exhausting things going on uh right now each one of them just makes me want to go take a nap yeah yeah it's meant it's mental fatigue i think yeah uh and i'm i'm not you know i have some rules to keep in place um you know what it is i think this is what it is i have some rules in place that we've talked about before never believe anything your head says in the middle of the night my racing mind rarely keeps me awake that's not a thing that i really sort of suffer from although i know quite a few people do for me um it's the the mental stressiness during the day causes me to engage in less than healthy habits about what i eat and what time i eat Mm -hmm. and and this kind of stuff um so if eating a lot of sugar after 9 p.m is something that can interfere with your sleep that might be part of it that might be part of it you know so it's like my my head's not keeping me awake my body's keeping me awake because i'm not being as kind to it i think as i could be well change some habits you know of that that might solve itself right well but i think you know like this idea of like eating late or what you're eating or what you're putting like um i think you know i come from a long line of alcoholics right like it is a family tradition um 
And I think in general, like I have an obsessive personality. Um, and so I think I say those things, but they all point to a tendency within, let's just say my people, right? Um, to cope with feelings of discomfort with medicating properties, right? Be it alcohol, be it food, be it junk TV or whatever. Like mm-hmm. all these things mm-hmm. that I do to cope with discomfort, um, they tend to be the things that just make me feel really, really terrible after. And so it's such a weird thing where, um, because I'm essentially being avoidant of a particular emotional or mental duress so i Mm -hmm. put my body through physical duress so that i can be rewarded with the pain of what i've done to my body and then i'm like oh i don't have time to dwell on my emotions i'm too busy taking care of the fact that my body feels wretched yeah it's like the old uh the old doctor joke it's like uh, my uh what is it Uh, my my arm hurts and so it's like you step on your foot. It's like, hey, how's it feel now? You're not even thinking about it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, you know, I'm having a lot of uh, mental anguish and mental discomfort. So I'll cause discomfort in other places to distract me. from. from because, I mean, physical discomfort, you can do something about that. You know, uh, mental anguish. No, those are your decisions you made. Um, and uh, those are less straightforward to reconcile. Because, I mean, nothing beats a good night's sleep for perspective in creative solution finding and in the the unfolding of answers for yourself. But um, when you wake up in the morning, the problem's still there a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's physical discomfort, maybe it worked itself out. Maybe you just needed to take a couple of days sleep. Maybe you pulled something and, and now it's, you know, time has healed it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the mental things, the mental prisons we put ourselves in and the, the mental things that we agree to that we shouldn't have if we didn't say no and we still have to do that thing and uh, the stressiness of our jobs and feeling like we don't have any power over any of that and what's going on with covid why won't these people wear masks we could have solved this a month ago um blah 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 triggering our audience once again you know you get a good night's sleep they're still there in the morning they're still there you know and so you have to do something to distract yourself again and it's either you know, I have habits of this myself. You either do something to numb it or you do something to pull away from it, you know, by making something equally unpleasant somewhere else to yeah, to draw one's attention away from yeah. it. Because all those other things are seem easier to fix than the, the mental one. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, I think your point that it doesn't go away is important. So, like, so we numb it or we try to distract from it. Like, what does it look like when we actually just face it? Like, are we capable of that? Like, yeah. And how do you get there? How do you get yourself there? Yeah. Um, how do you get yourself to that point where you face it? Yeah. I mean, because that's, you know, like I mentioned, I have an obsessive personality. So part of it for me is that facing it tends to mean that it's on loop in my head. Like, I'll go over it over and over and over as though every time I let it circulate through my head, I'm going to see something new. And so Mm. part of what I want is just the relief of not having to re-rehearse that same thing over and over and over. Um, So numbing or distraction, it breaks that cycle. Mm -hmm. Um. But I think somewhere in there is this inherent belief that I have that the cycle is inherently bad. And I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, you like the, the the playing of it is inherently bad and the, the, re, the replaying of it is inherently bad. Yeah. And the rehashing of it is inherently bad. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, how do you how do you turn towards um, those uncomfortable things? And what does facing it even mean? Mm-hmm. What, is, what, is it, what does it even mean? Um, and, I mean, one solution is that you don't, and it becomes so intolerable that uh, the pain of not facing it finally becomes worse than the pain of facing mm-hmm. it. Just by kicking the can so far down the road, you know, um, that... Uh, 
it, it's built up so much that it has become just impossible to not address this anymore. Right. Um, and does that mean that you couldn't have done it a month ago or a week ago or whatever? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but that's one way to do it, right? Just, you know, just punt until it's so intolerable. <laughs> that might not be the kindest way to do it, you know. And what, is, what does it take to get yourself to the point where you can recognize that this might turn into something that gets spun or this might get turned into something that is going to become intolerable if I don't? How can I, with uh, air of kindness to myself, make a decision to courageously face this thing right yeah i i like this idea of both the courage and the kindness because i think you need both yeah yeah so what i'm gonna ask a softball question you ready this is gonna be the easiest question you ask all day okay, let me get my bat let me get yeah, my yeah, bat yeah. okay let me get my so bat. what causes discomfort like what is discomfort oh god i don't know that's not a softball question. I know. I lied. You lied. <laughs> lied. It's like it's not a softball at all. <laughs> That's a curveball. That's fast pitch. Uh, that's fast pitch uh, in in you know major league. Uh, this this episode was recorded on COVID fastball. opening yeah. day, so it had to be. Yeah, it is. Yeah, today's opening yep, day, it isn't is. it? So that was yeah, my curveball today. Yeah, that's a that's a four seam fastball. Um, uh yeah, I don't know where it is either, though. I mean. Because I want to say, oh, it's in the body. But that's not really true. I mean, that mental suffering is, it, it feels like it's in your brain. Well, it feels like it's in my brain. And it, it, it makes me, well, that's probably not even the right way to say it, right? I, I, I have habits of body. You and I were talking about this a little earlier. and We can talk about it again mm -hmm. here because I think it is interesting. How do we know when we're mentally suffering from something? Mm -hmm. You know, and I have these habits. I see it in my posture. I get all slouchy. Um, and I go, oh, God. <laughs> you have some oh. tells, my friend. You know, yeah, I have a couple of tells. Yeah, I was like, oh, God. You know, I'm going to go buy some potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> Having a can of Pringles in my hand might not be a bad sign either that I'm going They're through something. I don't know. It feels like defeat. You know, it feels like, you know, you, you, it's kind of oppressive, defeated, powerlessness. Um, feelings of sluggishness, I guess, is how it would come out. Kind of some lethargic defeat. Um, and you, I, you may, it may have been on the podcast when you mentioned this earlier. One of the ways that you tell okay. that you're having some some mental uh, or emotional struggle. What was that? Ah, it well, it comes from you know, Tara Brack's idea of, uh, from radical compassion, that the idea that you're in trance, sometimes that manifests as being clumsy. Like, so I will, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, sometimes I don't know until I start bumping into things. And, um, I like, I'm a human that bruises incredibly easily. Um, and mm. so you can sort of map how well I'm doing mentally based on, like just looking at like my shoulders and my legs, like yeah, like I like Eric will look at me and be like, "Where the heck did this bruise come from? What did you do?" Yeah. And I'm like, "I was living in the world again as me." <laughs> like yeah, you could play a game where you like try to match the shape of it up with the objects in your in your house. Yeah, it's um, mostly doorknobs. Oh uh, yeah, they do they stick do. out. They yeah. do stick out. Well, yes, yesterday for me, it was the door itself. So uh, I think my, my thing yesterday was, I just noticed this for the first time today that I might be doing the same yeah. thing. Um, it was like, I, it took me 20 minutes to get from downstairs to, <laughs> to upstairs and ready to do a thing. And you know, it was just a disaster, you know, from one step to the next trying to do that. It's like, God, what was that? It was right out of, a, I was saying it was right out of a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. It, was, it was comedic. It was com a, the most comedic 20 minutes you'd ever see of... <laughs> Somebody trying to go from the downstairs where the kitchen is to upstairs into this room. And it was like every bizarre, mad-capped, strange, clumsy thing. That yeah. Ending up with me stepping over a notebook that I left on the floor, slightly losing my balance, grabbing the wall, falling over, wanging my head on the on the side of the door. Ow. It's like it, it didn't hurt, but it's like it was shocking. 
you know? I think even the fact that it didn't you know, hurt might be a yeah, sign, just, my friend. Like, come on, that yeah, hurt. Norner had a notice. headache for two days. Yeah. Yeah. Norner had a headache for two yeah. days. I was wondering where that came from. You know, kind of wong, and you wang your head against the door. Like, what the hell was that? It was the door. It's like, what is the door doing here? And then it's like, well, the door is always here. What am I doing running into the door? Yeah. Right? Why did I leave this notebook on? You know, and then you start sort of beating yourself a little bit for being uh, lazy. And you know, that's never going to lead you anywhere no, productive. No. You know, so I kicked myself out of that pretty quick. But it's like, oh, man, Sherry, that was the weirdest 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think. It, and, and then, you know, talking about, God, I'm not sleeping well and I'm a bit exhausted and stressed out. Mm-hmm. And I think all these things might be part of the same. All might be part yeah, of they're the all kind of connected. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the other things I notice is um, like I just I feel like I'm always in a hurry, like I'm rushing around. Um, and I was actually... I guess a couple days ago, you know, I was writing on my typewriter, which we talked about in the last episode. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I was talking about as I was typing into that typewriter is the, like, why am I always in such a hurry? Like, I'm almost always grinding through a thing to get to the next thing, even if it's a thing that I love, right? Like, um, like I'm always just rushing, um... So, like, if I'm cooking dinner, which is a thing that I love, like, I'm chopping the vegetables mm-hmm. as quickly as I can, uh, which, you know, might lead to this cut that I have here on this finger right, right, right. now. Um, right, right. But, like, I also know that if I really slow it down, like, you can really savor and you can really get into this, like, flow with something like chopping vegetables. In fact, that's half of the reason why I do it. But half the time I'm chopping the vegetables i'm thinking about the next step um so i think i think some of my mental discomfort comes from my inability to be and i am not unique my inability to be in the exact moment i'm in because i am either rehearsing what happened yesterday or i'm Mm -hmm. dreading what's gonna go down tomorrow instead of being like hey sherry where are you at right now it's 2.30 on a Thursday. It looks pretty decent out the window you're looking outside of. You're recording a podcast, which is a thing you, like, love more than anything. You're oh, hanging out with this oh. dude that you really like. Like, you know, like, life right now. Like, right now, life is good. But I tend not to stay there. I tend to be like, oh, but wait a minute. Hmm. Why is chopping the vegetables different? Why are chopping the vegetables different? Why is different the... from what is what is different about chopping the vegetables? <laughs> chopping the vegetables different from like this moment. Yeah. No, I mean, in some ways, nothing. Because um, I like chopping vegetables too. Um, I think I think when we're podcasting, I lose track of time. Mm. I, like I. I I think this is one of the few times that I feel really capable of just slowing down. Hmm. Yeah. And the body sort of responds to that positively. Yeah. I think, yeah, my body is like, this is a, like, what, what happens in the hour, like, after we push the button, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is like, this is a safe and comfortable space. Just be here. It is. Be here. Hopefully, hopefully for our listeners hopefully. as well. Hopefully. Although Paul triggers them all the time. Oh, I try. <laughs> I try. Uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Well, maybe I should. I don't know. Um, I will not should myself. You shouldn't shouldn't yourself. <laughs> I should. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop shooting my shouldn't-ing. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, maybe it's... Part of it might be for me anyway, uh, just a matter of perspective. Um, what is the objective when chopping said vegetables? I love to cook myself. You know, I'll chop a vegetable and I'll try to do it in an efficient and quick fashion. As I think most people will. But why is that, though? That, that That's a good point. I mean, is the objective to get the vegetables chopped so you can go on to the next step? Is the objective cook a nice meal that is tasty and nutritious for all who will consume it? Um, Or is the whole thing just something that you have to do that you would rather not? And I don't think that last one is true for either Mm -hmm. one of us. Um, 
But, you know, I, I come back to this once in a while. I might have talked about it before. Um, I really do kind of, I don't even say zone out. It's more of a zone in, I think, when uh, doing the mm-hmm. dishes. There's something about the, the act of doing the dishes. It's like, oh, I'm not checked out at all. I'm washing this plate. When I'm doing the dishes, I'm thinking about doing the dishes. And I'm taking my time with it. And it takes as long as it takes. And it's fine. And that's one of the few things um, that I do that, that puts me there. And I realize deeply and truthfully that not everyone has that experience with the dishes. So, I have, okay, so we've talked about this before. I have some questions about your dishwashing practice so <laughs> <laughs> it's called we call it a practice now right? well it's becoming interesting enough practice. that i need to know more um so i have questions tell me about your practice paul what's your process <laughs> do you hand wash the dishes it's about a 50 50 you know it, it, most of the standard stuff goes in the dishwasher okay. you know um but when there's other other odd shaped bowls or tools or pieces of equipment or Pots and pans, or mm-hmm. kind of the non—I don't want to say non-traditional stuff. All that, all our stuff is pretty traditional stuff. But the stuff that you really either don't want to use up the square footage in the dishwasher because you could put ten of those things in there if you don't put this one thing mm-hmm. in there, that would take two minutes to wash by hand, um, or just oddly shaped and so it, it's inconvenient for the dishwasher to carry it. Yeah, those are usually the things that I, I hand wash. Okay. Most most stuff. Plates and bowls and forks and knives and all that stuff goes in the dishwasher like and, a normal person who has a dishwasher would do, I think. And are you a rinse-before-loading person? Well, it depends. Usually not, but if it's if it could use a rinse before I load, I am. If it's got, you know, chunks, yes. Mm-hmm. Sauces and things like that, yes. If it's just a plate that's sitting in the sink, then I'll still See, I'm asking these questions because I was hoping that there was, like, some secret sauce to, like, how you do the dishes that unlock, like, allows you to unlock this magic. But it sounds like you do dishes like literally every other human that I know, at least. I mean, it's... Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I do anything unique about it. Maybe it's the white noise of the water coming out of the faucet. Maybe it's... Interesting. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I did the dishes earlier today. I actually, so I really, um, I hate doing the dishes. And I don't know why, because it doesn't take very long. But I have, like, this pathological mm-hmm. hatred of it. Um, so I joked to a friend of mine last night that I was going to start attending meetings while doing the dishes. Because I think we've discussed I hate meetings. And I mm-hmm. hate doing the dishes. So what? Both if you're working from home, why not double up the things you hate? And Yeah, and possibly two negatives might make a positive. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, can I do paperwork while I'm at the dentist? Like, what else could I mm-hmm. could I do at the same time? Um, so I was on a call this, this morning, which wasn't a bad meeting. It was a meeting I actually very much enjoy. But um, with a collaborator of mine who is not Paul. Um, <laughs> not, yeah, there are yeah. others. There are the, others. <laughs> well considering the fact that every time i talk to this collaborator i start with sorry i've been meaning to do work but you see i have this podcast <laughs> right right um sorry melissa um <laughs> but yeah so i talked to melissa while doing the dishes um and so it was very efficient and then by the time i was done i was very satisfied that i had been productive and i had mm. a cleaner house so I like having done the dishes, but something about that time feels. It is in the doing. Yeah, it's the doing that kills me. There's only one part of the dish process that I don't enjoy, and that is, um, and I usually save it for last, just because I really don't enjoy it. And that's taking the knives and the forks and the spoons out of the knife, fork, spoon holders and putting them away everything else is fine i just hate that it's like oh my god gotta take the stupid forks out of the dishwasher and put it in the... it's like i don't know what it is about that but it's like and it takes what 45 seconds to do that yeah i but it's like, i saved uh, that for last too a little to me it's the same thing and also i i should say out of all the dish part i dislike 
unloading the dishwasher the least. There's something that... There's nothing gross in the dishwasher at that point. Everything is clean. I'm also very smell-averse. Um, so the whole dishes mm-hmm. thing, you never know. It it can be it can be dodgy. Um, but putting them away, not so bad. Um, but yeah, I don't love the silverware part either. And for me, it feels a lot like folding the socks when you're done with laundry. Mm-hmm. Do you like folding mm-hmm. clothes? Uh, well, I must not, given how rarely I do it. <laughs> you know, the the clothes basket is doing just fine of a job of holding this clothes for the last three days. Why, you know, I'm just going to put it in the, what, in my dresser drawer and I'm going to, what, take it back out one piece at a time. That seems ridiculous to me. But then I get tired of looking at it and I do and there's other things that need to be washed and it's fine and I do should myself with that. It's like, well, I'm a, I, tr- I try to play at being a, normal human on this earth and this is what people do right they fold up their clothes and they put them in the drawer so i guess i that i should do that but such a should what would happen if i didn't uh nothing 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 would happen if i if i so here's my it's a sign of adulthood maybe it's just a sign of adulthood to convince me that i am or something i don't know so here's my freakish confession to you i hate like yeah like oh folding clothes like I don't understand it. It's dumb. I hate it. I Although I have, if I do it, like I fold all of the t-shirts using the Mary Kondo method. And I'm very mm. particular about it, which is partially why I don't like to do it. Like With the roll-up? The roll-up? Yeah, well, no, like, I, the... I know what you're talking about, but no, we don't roll. It's, it's okay. slightly different and, yeah, okay, it's okay. too tedious. Sorry. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I think this is, this is like classic me. So I have such high standards for how I think it ought to be done, how it should be done, Mm. that I basically would rather avoid it and do like the exact opposite. So if I can't have it done perfectly, I'll basically just avoid it altogether. So I'll settle for like this very imperfect thing instead. So I've been thinking that I think the perfect solution for our clothes management system is to buy a giant toy chest. And just Ooh. dump it all in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that work. That could right? work. Because it's just, I mean, it's the same thing we're doing right now. We have it all in a hamper. And so just forget having a dresser. Yeah, what's the difference? Dump it all in there. I could hang a couple things up, the really wrinkly prone things. Yeah. I mean, even if one does have a dresser, though, what's stopping you just from grabbing a third of the stuff and throwing it in the top one and grabbing another third and shoving it into the second one and grabbing the rest of it, dumping it into the bottom one and calling it a damn day? Right. Because we're still going to rifle through. And I have to whatever because some of these people don't want to think that I'm wearing a wrinkled T-shirt because what would the neighbors think? What would the neighbors think, Sherry, if I wore a wrinkled T-shirt? You know, um, it's curious. It's creating order from chaos, I guess, in the fallacious desire that we have you know to give the illusion of order and reason prevailing and structure around an otherwise uh chaotic life Uh, as neil young says you're all just pissing in the wind you know Like it's all you, that's all I think about when I'm putting the dishes away and when I'm putting the laundry, folding laundry. It's like you're just pissing in the wind, man. You're going to be standing right here again in a week doing the exact same damn thing. Yeah. You know, and what, and what good did any of it give you? What good did any of it yeah. do for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing that, I mean, the, we better come up with a way to turn this into a yes or else <laughs> we're going to convince our listeners to stop folding their laundry and don't bother with the dishes. And, you know, I don't know. Just... Right now I'm really thinking like when Eric gets home, I'm going to introduce this <laughs> toy chest idea to him. I think you want him folded, you fold. You know, I think one of the reasons our marriage works is that we're, we, we buck the, the shoulds of society in similar ways. Um, hmm. And so you know, the last crazy idea I had was, why are we a family that has a couch anyway? What if yeah, we didn't? And we right. still don't. We almost ordered one last week. And then I was like... You were close a couple of times. Yeah, you, you, I remember you got close a couple yep. of times. And then I finally was like, do you really want this couch? Do we need it? No, let's not get it. Mm. 
And then it's great because it's now it's like cool. Now we have like a cool extra Freedom. grand that we can do whatever we want with because we're not. Yeah, you're free. Yeah, you're free not just of the couch. You're free of the thought of that you should get it as well. And it's 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 left, you yeah. know. Yeah. But it's interesting. Like, I mean, how much of, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen on like Facebook and social media in general right now who are like having these real internalized conversations with themselves about like the kind of footwear that we typically wear to work and how none of us have worn a lot of that footwear for months. And yet we are still capable of doing our jobs. Um, Yeah. How much of my clothing I'm just ready to like purge because I'm like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Why did I own this anyway? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got like 10 or 12 button up shirts in my closet. None of, of which I've worn none of. None of. Yeah. I've, obviously since March. Most of them probably not since. God. I don't even know. why. I'm trying to think. What's the last wedding funeral? Well, or So one of the things. <laughs> or the, I think the. Holiday church service with my sister or something that I went to. You know, I was like, I don't know if I well, have. So the last time I saw you on campus was the Friday before spring break. And yeah, you were right. going to some honors thing because you had a yeah. button-up shirt on. I had a button-up shirt and a polo. And your honors polo over. Oh, the, yeah, the best. Yeah. 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 So that was the last time. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, that was. That was in March, I don't know, 8th or 9th or something like that. And uh, yeah, we had an honors uh, symposium event that I was going to after that. But you might be right. Um, before that, yeah, I don't even know. Um, and I swear, it's one of those things, if I got rid of 90% of them, I probably wouldn't even be able to tell you which 90% I got rid of. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if if Shauna went in there and just dumped 90% of my clothes, I probably wouldn't know what 90% she got rid of with what was left. As long as you have a collection of black t-shirts and blue jeans, I think you'll be One pair okay. of jeans, yeah, a pair of jeans, two black t-shirts, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to wear. Well, I mean, I think that there are these, so there are these concepts, like the capsule wardrobe, um... And there are these people who do these experiments. Like, I think there was, like, a news broadcaster who decided he was going to wear the same suit for a year. And, like, nobody yeah. noticed. Um, yeah, see if nobody notices. And so I really... It's so funny, all the stories we tell ourselves. Like, we... I mean, I know when I would get dressed to go to work, I would spend time thinking about, like, okay, so it's a Tuesday. What did I wear to teach last Tuesday... Because, like, I I knew I needed to, like, break it up because, like, I can't wear the same clothes every Tuesday because I see the same group of students. So if I wear this this Tuesday, then the next time I wear it should be a Monday, Wednesday. Like, I have mm-hmm. these kinds of thoughts. Why? Like, you know, if my students are keeping track, of, like, what's the worst that happens, right? If I don't pay attention, I wear the same clothes every single Tuesday, Thursday. The mm-hmm. worst thing that can happen is my students will say to me, you wear the same clothes every Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, and I wear the same clothes every day. You know, you, you may or may not know about my uniform that I wear. I, I, I may know because I may have replicated <laughs> every it. Every day, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every day at uh, when we, back in the times when we used to go in to, to work, a black t-shirt and jeans and, you know, a pair of sneakers. Yeah, it's funny. I've actually seen you wear a larger variety of t-shirts from in yeah, COVID I know. times like yeah yeah it's like, like wow, you're wearing, wearing green, green. it's crazy um and nobody ever said anything about that so it sort of turned into this game it's like how how many how frequently can I wear this before somebody says something or somebody notices and I, I mean I was wearing it every single day yeah. you know black t-shirt for god I don't know Sherry how long months months Every day for months. Um, Do you think people noticed? And, uh, well, I don't know. Well, I think I found out later on that some people did notice, but nobody said <laughs> nobody said anything. Um, my students, you know, they said something about a third of the way through the semester last fall when I, I did wear something different. It's like, oh, you're not wearing a black T-shirt, you know, mm-hmm. just some kind of snarky and fun. They didn't mean it in a bad way. You know, it was just like, oh, you didn't wear a black T-shirt. Um, and 
I think, but I mean, again, no, nobody said anything and nobody seemed to care. So that whole story, that whole narrative that I would have in my head about people really pay attention to what you're wearing. You have to look like you know what you're doing or else you're not going to get all these things. Uh, for me anyway, in the context that I live my life, did not seem to be one that uh, really played out in in real i guess i don't know maybe it would maybe if i did dress a little more i don't know office appropriate more things would come my way but that's not that i'm not happy with what i have i am i don't need more things to come my way so it's like well, i bother with it you know i bother yeah. with it um i mean i'm not dressing disrespectfully i mean i look presentable there were only two holes in those jeans yeah yeah only two holes in those jeans you know um when a student who didn't know me approached me on campus, um, they would say, hi, professor, where, can you tell me where the library is? So it's like I, I wasn't passing for a student, even though I was wearing a T-shirt and jeans. So some other air about me was giving that vibe. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure what. But um, I don't know what that I don't know what started that. I don't know if that was a test or if that was resolve or of just giving up or, or what. Well, and it's um, so funny because, you know, I guess when was it November, December, like. And I don't exactly know what possessed me exactly. Um, but I decided one day to come to work dressed as Paul. I think it was because we had been discussing the fact that I felt like I couldn't wear whatever I wanted. And mm-hmm. you held a different opinion. Um, I don't. I really don't remember why. I think about a week before I dressed like you, it almost felt like you were challenging me to do so. And so obviously I had to do it. Um but I think, you know, we're, we've been reading this artist way book and there was this section in there about jealousy. Um, and I think that it, that's what it comes down to is like, I think I partially dressed like you just out of jealousy. Like I, like if, like I was jealous that you got to just be so damn comfortable, <laughs> you know, I wanted that. So then I did it. And what struck me is like, I had to spend like half the day being like, do you know who I'm dressed as? And people would be like, <laughs> Paul? Question mark. And like, <laughs> I think if I hadn't real like addressed it directly, either people wouldn't have noticed unless I was standing next to you. Um, or they, like, it just wouldn't have been on people's radar. Um, so it's interesting how much pressure... Uh, I can put on myself or I think a lot of people can put on themselves about what they look like and then what actually is registering for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and um, I mean, this is something that is kind of going around a little bit today, you know, in in the circles. Everybody wants freedom of choice and freedom to do whatever they want and freedom to wear a mask, freedom to not wear a mask, freedom to assemble, you know, oppression from assembly, right? There's all kinds of weird stuff going on today. And, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of choice is good, you know, and I'm all for it. That also means freedom of the consequences of those choices and of that speech and of those actions. And if you're going to have the freedom of the one, you're going to have the freedom of the consequences of it as well to come your way. Um, And I I guess what that test was for me was whether or not there actually are consequences to my freedom to sort of dress uh, respectfully, but not what is the norm for a member of the professoriate, um, did you discover deep and profound consequences to your decision to wear jeans and a black t-shirt? Well, <laughs> in, a, in a fleece vest and, and tennis shoes, you know, or uh, tell me the consequences you reaped from this. Well, decision. so, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting because, um, Maybe not that day specifically, but, you know, I had worn jeans and tennis shoes before, and I think you and I have talked about mm-hmm. this, and I get comments on what I dress like in a way that I don't think you do. Um, no, I don't. No, I never had anyone comment on a single thing I've ever worn in my life. Yeah, and, you know. and so I think that there's, I think there's two things that are really interesting about this. One... I think it's really interesting the entitlement that people have to comment on other people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. particularly in a way that's not complimentary. 
um, or that they think is complimentary, but they don't really think through. Um, so having, you know, now taught at the college for about 14 years, um, I get really sick of narratives that are pointing out how old I am. Um, Mm -hmm. like in three days now, I'm going to turn 37. I understand that many people have many more years on this earth than I do. Some, some, some on this, some on this, some on this call (laughs) podcast right now. Some say 12 more. Um, so like I, it's not news to me how old I am. Um, but I also like, I, I'm sorry. Like, like, okay. Um, so people point out my age in a way as though it is in a, in a really disparaging kind of way. And like, I, it's like Mm. one of the things about me that the only thing I can do to change it is just live on the earth longer and I'm working on it, but yeah. So, um, but so I'll get comments sometimes, like if I wear jeans, I will get comments that I look like a student. Um, I will get comments that say that I don't look old enough to be a teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. but so I think that's interesting. Like, why do people think that that kind of commentary is welcome or valued or appropriate? That's one question. Or appreciated or, or, yeah, yeah, I mean, the the list goes on and on, right? The list goes on and on. And, and why are we so gendered and how we dish it out? I think that's there. Mm -hmm. I think the other side Mm -hmm. of it though, Mm -hmm. um, and I want to be careful in how I think about this because I don't want to sort of victim blame here. The other part of it is that I also have to remember that these are casual comments. They are not actually marching orders, directives. The people who say these things actually tend to have no authority in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I notice about how people tend to should themselves is they seem to be shooting based on casual comments they've received that they have taken as marching orders or directives for how they have to be from that point forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I would hear you look like a student today. And instead of like asking myself, well, what does that really mean? I, you know, good for me way to go with your youthful skincare regime. Right. Yeah. Right. Instead of thinking something like that, I think I need to behave more professionally. I'm not enough. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. casual comments can become toxic narratives pretty quickly, at least in my head. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask on this on the uh, on the topic of coping with discomfort. Clearly, you know, there's there's things in comments that we all get sometimes that do trigger some discomfort. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember one of the comments that you did tell me about that you got was. uh, uh Talk about triggering my audience. I don't want to trigger you either. Um, oh, Sherry, you just look so young. You just look so young, right? And uh, I remember that triggered a little bit of discomfort. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it to me, you know, if and, and I've felt dis- discomfort before at comments that have been made to, towards me innocently enough without an agenda, you know, possibly offered out of what was perceived kindness or, or neutrality at worst, you know, um, and, and left to my own devices, spinning that into, uh, oh my God, is that how they see me? Is that, is that how they're thinking me right now? You know, and it gets about to what you were saying before. It's like, you know, at your at your funeral, do you want people to say, wow, Sherry, she really did a good job of getting back, you know, to people. She, she really did a good job of her email. Yeah. She really she really managed her finances very, very well. Is that how you want to be remembered, you know? Um, and sometimes you get these little comments that tell you exactly how you're being thought of and exactly how you're being remembered. That might not be what you see as your strengths or what you're actually trying to do or your missionary purpose right. on this earth. Right. Well, and it's like, so saying, you know, when someone says... Oh, Sherry, you look so young. Um, part of what my brain gets wrapped up in is, well, what are the assumptions? Like, what's happening that's triggering that comment? Like, what's mm-hmm. the unspoken here? Um, because I think a lot of times what we say is less important than what's behind what we're saying. Like, there sometimes the unspoken is just 
as important. In volumes. Yeah. It's volumes. Well, it's kind of like I saw something on Facebook the other day that it was like citing a joke from a comedian. And I can't remember what comedian. Um, but it was basically this joke that like people never say it's a free country unless they're doing something really terrible. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, like you don't see people like you know, donating to the hungry and saying, it's a free country. I can make this donation if I want. Right? Like, yeah. It's always uh, dumping a barrel of oil in a river. Yeah, it's yeah, some no, sort of no, selfish, self-involved kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, it's like, well, I know you're not commenting, well, this person over here, you look so old. So what, why, what's, what am I supposed to take away from an observation that I am young. Like what's in that for me? Because I don't think there's actually anything in it for me. And that's something that I'm starting to notice is that sometimes comments that are directed at me aren't for me. They Mm -hmm. are for whoever is actually talking, right? Like a counterpoint to something they're feeling. Yeah. So, so a lot of times people talk from a point of their own discomfort. And so me being young has nothing to do with it, but them feeling something about themselves and their own positionality within this construct of time is probably the bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I had an experience somewhat recently, a month or two ago, and, you know, I won't get too many into the details, but I said something in a public meeting on, that was held on Zoom, of course, with, you know, 15 or 20 people in it. And it was an uncomfortable thing to say and quite possibly a more uncomfortable thing to hear, although it was verifiably a true statement that needed to be to be made. Um, and as one oftentimes observes when, when this happens is <laughs> the Zoom room goes completely silent and <laughs> everybody just sort of sits there, you know, with sort of this look on their face, not knowing what to, what to do. And, you know, eventually a, a comment was made. Uh, the first comment that was actually made out loud was not necessarily one that addressed the issue in any way. It was a little lighthearted. It wasn't quite flippant, but it was on the path to, to being that. Um, and, you know, it, it was a comment that left room for someone to feel like the comment or, or that what I had said was not being taken seriously or just wasn't important to people and dismissive. Um, and I've come to realize that that's not necessarily what it was. Um, I think that person who said that comment was actually the first person to feel such discomfort at what I said, that they essentially broke. They broke first. This person isn't the worst person in the room. This person was probably the best person in the room because they couldn't contain their own discomfort long enough and they had to do something besides just sit there to alleviate their own discomfort with with what I had said. Yeah, I mean, I think... And I think maybe we've talked about this on other podcasts. Sitting with somebody else in their discomfort is hard. Um, And so, I mean, I think that there is, you know, if we're trying to challenge ourselves to be the most compassionate people we can be, I think a lot of times when those comments come that put us on the defensive, if we ask ourselves, like, how can I make this more about the person I'm talking to than it is about me? Then all of a sudden we get a lesson. Like, oh, um, because I think our, our tendency is to respond from, oh, I am now made discomfort, uncomfortable myself. Let me focus on my own lack of comfort. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if we ask, like, what's the discomfort that's driving this? Yeah, rather than plugging it into your narrative and seeing whether it adds or, or subtracts, plug it into their negative yeah. or into their narrative, right? And see where see it's coming happening. from. That's an excellent, that's an yeah. excellent perspective, Sherry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, cause it's not made for your narrative. It's made for their narrative on what they're trying to do and what their objectives are and what their own discomforts right. are. Um, and seeing it that way. Yeah. And if we know that what we tend to do when we're uncomfortable is distract or numb, I mean, that's what these comments are. They are distractions. They are numbing strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day um, about marital disputes. Um, mm. And 
I always joke to people that Eric and I don't really have any real marital problems, which is why our fights mm-hmm. tend to be ridiculous. Um, but I think at the at the end of the day, the fights that every single disagreement that Eric and I have, it can be boiled down to the same problem every single time. And that is, we sometimes experience discomfort in ways that are uncomplimentary. Interesting. That's all it is, right? Like, Interesting. Um, his discomfort gets near my discomfort in a way that makes us both uncomfortable. Mm. And so, like, if we stop and try to figure out, like, okay, if we take a break and try to get more comfortable and then we come back, oh, right, this thing doesn't matter anymore. We were mm-hmm. just uncomfortable people being uncomfortable in proximity. Yeah, yeah, and there, there's an argument that's going on, but you're actually not arguing with each other, right? You're just, <laughs> it's like, it's not actually a fight. It's uh, two people vocally being uncomfortable. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. how dare we both be uncomfortable at the same time? Ah, You're uncomfortable? Well, I'm uncomfortable too. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I mean, I think you and I have even had... Oh, yeah, and then you, you compare your discomfort to the other person's discomfort. <laughs> we've had moments where we've realized like oh are we fighting no we're probably not fighting because i don't think we like at at its root i don't we just we just end up we're fire signs that work together you know it's like that's what you that's what you get (laughs) um yeah well i mean i realize our last tense conversation I don't know how you're going to feel about me talking about this on air. I don't even remember it. I don't even remember um, it. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter when it was. Oh, I got the defen- You called me. I got defensive about something. On oh, the yeah. Phone, look at right? that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, I think you and I both can fire hose each other. Like, that's what we're... Yeah, right. Like, you know, yeah. we're both fire signs. And we're people who talk too much. That's why we have a podcast. That's why we have a po- yeah. This is why we make the podcast work. You don't get you don't get to choose, right? So, right? You, you want a good podcast with somebody? Well, then you gotta you gotta right. <laughs> there's gonna be some uncomfortable conversations every once yeah, in a while. Yeah. So if yeah, I were to summarize that conversation that we had, like that, like bit of tension, it was you had a lot to say and you got to say the things you wanted to say and I had a lot I wanted to say and I didn't get to say it, and now I'm gonna pout about it. <laughs> And then you were like, what the hell? I didn't know you had things to say. You should have told me you had things to say. And I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, but it's just like, that's all it is. It's like, you had a lot on your mind. I had a lot on my mind. And then the way we brought that at the same time did, didn't work for both of our comfort. Right, right, right. And, and to our listeners out there, I mean, if you uh, work with somebody on, on the daily you know, that you uh, like really well and you feel like you work well together and you have a lot of heated conversations with occasional arguments and, uh, you know, and and uncomfortable discussions every once in a while. I don't know. Maybe think about a podcast, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We should have recorded that that argument. Um, We might have gotten some good out of it, you know, Uh, and I think we did anyway. But yeah, maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that's the secret there. I mean, good things come from tension every once in a while. Um, How boring would it be if you just got together with your best friend, you know, that you have no disagreements with, that you share everything with, that you have no dialogue with and you press the button? What's going to happen? Well, nothing, nothing. I mean, I can't even have that experience with myself. Like, I don't have enough yeah, internal consistency. Why should I ever expect that with another human? Yeah, right. it's interesting. Right. Which gets us back to courage, right? You got to have the courage to be able to, you know, to face things, I think. Um, and how do, you, how do you turn towards, uh, how do you turn toward discomfort in a way that is productive and what we, we find is that you get a couple of extroverts together who agree on a lot of things, who don't always agree perfectly with each other all the time about stuff. Turns out they make a pretty good podcast, you know. Um, you can you can take, you know, uh, the, the parts of your life that are somewhat discomforting and you can find ways to, um, I don't want to say work them in your favor, but good can come mm-hmm. of them. Good can come of them, you know. But... Uh, in, in order to do that, they must be, they must not be turned away yeah. from, I think. Well, you know, I think one of the things we did 
I don't, I don't, I don't remember when we did this, Paul, but like I, within the last three or four months, like we kind of made a conscious, like pact with one another that mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the reason Paul and Sherry was going to continue was because we were going to agree that when we got uncomfortable, we were going to talk about it. Like this was this revolutionary yeah. like friendship pact that we had. Like, what if? Yeah. What if yeah. we tried, no matter what, talking about it? We talk about it instead of stewing about like, it or whatever. And it's like, you know, and I think that is a fantastic rule, except for when we have to do it. In which case, <laughs> in which case, it is uncomfortable. But that's why we have these rules. That's why I never believe anything that my mind says in the middle of the night. That's why I don't have potato chips in the house. That's why, you know, I, I, you know, I don't eat sugary things after 7 p.m., which I do every night and wonder why I don't have a, why I'm having a hard time sleeping because I'm violating that rule. Um, man, I didn't think I had a lot of rules. It sounds like I got a lot. Um, yeah, and it's a great rule until you have to use it, in which case it's uncomfortable, but then you do use it and, you know, the relationship is strengthened on the other side every time. Yeah. Every time. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. Because at least you know where you are. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, and... You know where you are. You know, you're honest. It's like, you don't have to, you don't have to remember what your story was. You, It's out there. It's just, here's exactly where we are. Yeah. This is where we are. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also think the more we force ourselves to exercise that rule, the better we get at it. Like, I think, boy, we used to have some discussions that felt like they took six weeks. And now I feel like we can, like, yeah. okay, we know how the script goes. We know you how this think, goes. Me Let's thing, cool, you first. Cool, cool. You first, right, me first. Yeah. Who wants to okay, go first? Okay, now we're good. <laughs> um, and then I think we always end those discussions, maybe not always, but... I think I can think of how many times we've had tense conversations that we've ended with. Now we're getting to it. Now we're getting to the good now stuff. Now we're getting to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's oftentimes there's a secondary thing, which is really the primary thing, but you don't see it as the primary thing until you get through some of the, you got to walk through the outfield to get to home uh-huh. base kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you got to get through some of that. You got to cut through the icing before you get to the cake. Um, and you get there, you just have to stay with a little bit and, I mean, we do oftentimes check in in the middle of it. It's like, is this the thing or is there more? Is there more or is this it? It's like, no, this is it. You know, it, it, sometimes it's like, you know, there's this other thing too. But usually, you know, I think we're, we've gotten to the point where we're honest enough where it's like, yeah, that, I mean, that's it. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. We're good? We're good. Yeah, we're good. And uh, we we pause a lot. Sometimes those conversations are slow. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like we, this happens every I day. Th- it doesn't, you know. <laughs> It's, yeah, it doesn't happen. We do, we do um, it enough so that we have a good practice, right? Like we. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to keep those muscles yeah. strong. Um, but it it does no matter when. I mean, no matter how long we're doing. It. I mean, we're we're more comfortable doing it, but that doesn't mean that it's always comfortable to yeah. do. And sometimes you got to go through the kabuki of it a little bit and let our egos have their day, and then yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> we can get down to the to the heart you know well um, ego or um ridiculous storytelling like i think like yeah. every now and then i will i'll land you with some some fun stories that i have about paul that are based on a paul that does not exist <laughs> right yeah i did all kinds of i did all kinds of stuff um but i mean you can you can always set up your own conversations in a way with people if they're going to be difficult um to to help you down this path maybe um Hey Paul, what is your what is what is what happened play into your narrative mm-hmm. about what this is? You know, and because ultimately that's an honest assessment about what really is going on. But a lot of times, um, and I talk to some of my kids about this quite a lot. My, you know, college-aged kids mm-hmm. who you know I, I see in in the semesters. Um, one of the one of the times when I say, you know what, let's think about how the words we're using right here. You know, is just kind of the basic uh, stuff where someone will say something as innocent as this person may be mad. Well, did they? Did they? You know, um, you may be upset. Did this person do it? Or was their intention to do it? Or is this really just sort of a side effect of your interpretation of a situation that plays into 
an expectation that wasn't met or an narrative that you have? And what if this feeling of discomfort that you had was not the other person's responsibility, Uh but it was yours, but it was your responsibility? Um, And a very unkind way to say say this is, hey, Sherry, you got a problem with me? Well, you know whose problem that is? That's yours. It's your problem, right? It's not my problem. It's it's a very unkind way to pitch it. You know, but there's a little truth to it as well. You know, um, if you're made uncomfortable by a situation, those other people are not going to fix it for you because you're uncomfortable. It's going to take a little bit of responsibility on your yeah. part to first recognize it, second, turn towards it and not away from right. it. And maybe think about how might this be addressed in a way that doesn't avoid it, that doesn't shirk away from it, that doesn't try to, try to sidestep right. it, but really addresses it for what it is. Thus, liberating uh everyone liberating everyone in the process yeah well yeah i mean i think i think that there is some real power of just moving from that person made me angry to even just a narrative of sometimes i find that i experience anger when i'm with that person (laughs) yeah um because i think it moves away from and I, I think that there's something empowering about giving yourself back the agency. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we're not all at the hands of everybody else. Yeah. So what is your what is your experience here on this earth? What is your I mean, what, what part do you play here? Are you just, are you happening to the world or is the world happening to you? You know, are you in it or are you of it? Are you? you know, getting blown by the, the forces all around you all the time, or are you some of the some of the forces that are blowing together? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, I think feel like they're an observer to the world around them and that the world is something that's happening to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough way to live. It is. It's a tough way to live. It is. You sort of don't see yourself all the time as somebody who is contributing to it and as a player in it. And yeah. It's like... You're on the stage too, yeah, you know? I was going to say, it's like... You, you do know that you're the one playing the video game, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. It's not you being played. Yeah. Right. So interesting. People are reacting off of you just as much as you're reacting off yeah. of them. So walk, walk gently through this earth. Yeah. You know what I think is really cool, Paul? What's cool, Sherry? This Jerry? is the first time we've recorded a podcast with absolutely no plan. That's true. This was a well. Let's uh, let's hit the button. See what see what happens. It feels like this was the latest in our trust exercises. Like, let's see what happens. Yeah, it is a trust epi- exercise. Um, I didn't have any worries going into it. You know, I didn't have any worries going. Into it. I mean, how many conversations have we had? It's like, ah, we probably should have. We should have hit record on that. We should have recorded that one. <laughs> Why not? Every once in a while, we'll, we'll start talking. It's like, do you want me to hit the door? press record sherry because this sounds like it's pretty good right now you know do that's I yeah I, I think you did that earlier today i was like whoa whoa like it's like yeah. good lord sir it's we've been on that call what for two five minutes, minutes like, five minutes yeah five minutes into the, you know, I mean, this is pretty good you want me yeah. to hit the button it was pretty good but you can't they can't uh you can't always recapture can't things when they come out when they come out they're yeah. good now um and we should keep some conversations to ourselves. Well, we should keep some. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Keep a I few things sacred for us. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good. That's a good idea. But yeah, it's interesting. Turning towards this discomfort, you know, honesty and got to be honest with yourself. I mean, it's an act of compassion towards yourself. It takes courage because it's hard because nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. You know that your discomfort might be causing discomfort in somebody else as well. That's no fun to be with, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, this is the good beginnings of a conversation on equanimity. Yeah. And we can talk about that Indeed. later. You know, Indeed. you don't get it all. You don't get all good and no baddie. Sometimes it, you, get, you get both. Yeah. You get both. You can't avoid yeah. it. And I think we we trigger more discomfort trying to avoid discomfort than discomfort oh, totally. often causes. Yeah, and if you address it, it's going to be a three on the discomfort scale. If you avoid it, it's going to be like an eight. Yet avoid it, we do, mm-hmm. you know, yet, yet avoid yeah. it, we do. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's the difference often. between going to the dentist every six months and dealing with the discomfort of that versus avoiding the dentist for 10 years and dealing with the discomfort of going back. Like, 
of, of going back. And, you know, during those 10 years, you were thinking, yeah, I guess I really should go to the dentist. But it's like, a, I mean, you're suffering at the dentist anyway, yeah. even though you're not there. Yeah. And, and I bring know. that up because I did that. I For 10 years, I didn't go to the dentist because I was afraid yeah. of the dentist. Yeah. Um, and now, though COVID has sort of messed this up, the last time I went to a cleaning, like, I was like, wow, this has gotten so easy. And my hygienist was like, yeah, that's what happens when you floss and you come on a regular basis. Like, if you yeah. just do the routine discomfort, then you don't have to save up for the, the in and epic out, discomfort. Know, yeah. And I think that's true of the day-to-day -day stuff. Like, just, if yeah, we lean sure. into a little more in-the-now discomfort. Yeah. That takes a little bit of present awareness. It takes a little bit of mindfulness, um, which you can practice these yeah. things. Um, it takes, again, not f reacting to this immediate urge to turn away from things when they're uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you turn toward them and kind of see what happens. What's it going to do? Make it worse? Yeah. You know, at least you're going to be honest and know where you are. Mm -hmm. You're going to be where you cool. are no matter what. So, yep. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Sherry. What a wonderful uh, ad hoc uh, conversation we Indeed. just had. Indeed. It's, uh, it and one. it's our 23rd podcast on the 23rd of July, which feels yeah. very satisfying. Um, oh, do you know what we did on the 23rd of July last year? What God, what did we, we do? We had a conversation about cycles. In my that was a year ago. ago today. Yeah. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, I was. What a wonderful anniversary! Yeah, today. I was planning my um, my CWPA presentation for uh, the Council of Writing Program Administrators. Um, I should turn that. I should turn that presentation into a blog, but I'm not going to shoot mm. myself. That was a year it was ago. A year ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of those. I wish we would have recorded that, but that's before. Uh, all of well, this. things come in cycles. Maybe we'll do it. Yeah, maybe we'll do it. Have to try to resurrect it. If I had, if I had been a thinker, I would have said, "Hey, Paul, it's July twenty third. Let's try to knock that one out again." Well, there's always next. There's year. always next year. Or next week. Yeah. <laughs> we can release these in any right. We um, make our own rules. We make our own rules. There it is. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yes. yes. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Paul and Sherry have a Paul podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast. Yes. <laughs>